0: I just want to entitle this five points from the departing Christ. Five points from the departing Christ. John's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 1. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Keep your Bibles open for we're going to refer to those six verses. Blessed us just bow in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you again for the opportunity to be in your presence. To be among your people to be in your house. We thank you, Father, still for freedom and liberty that we can gather in this evening. We thank you, Lord, you have afforded us again health and strength to be here. And we thank you, Father, tonight that we are saved by sovereign grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. My Father, we pray you would settle each and every one of us in your presence, Lord, you'd settle our hearts and speak to us. Maybe, Lord, we need just encouragement. Maybe someone needs strengthened. Maybe someone needs a healing touch in their body. Father, you know every one of us. Maybe someone has worries and frets and fears in their heart and on their mind. Lord, we bring everything and everyone to you with all our hurts and our problems and the things that we can't deal with. And we lay them at your feet tonight. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we worship you. We sit and wait on your anointing. We wait on your spirit. To come have his way. In our midst. We thank you, Father. That your promise remains true that you're here when we gather together in your name. If there's someone here, we know not every heart, but if there's one who does not yet know the Lord Jesus, as their own Lord and personal Savior, we pray tonight that they would have their eyes opened, their hearts, may they be quickened. We pray, Lord, that they would see the Lamb of God, call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, so, Father, have your way, we pray. For Jesus' name's sake, we ask it. Amen. In our reading in John 14, verses 1 to 6, there are five points that the Lord shows in these six verses that we can grasp hold of, even if you're a believer, for encouragement. If you're not saved, to see that you need a Savior. And maybe just whenever your need is that you'll reach out and say, Lord, I'll take your word tonight. I'll trust your word tonight. Tonight's the night I believe your word, whether you're a believer or a non-believer. Maybe this is the night you'll get saved if you're not saved. And these five points are like this. The first one is a perfect peace. The second is a precious promise. The third is a prepared place. The fourth is a particular path. And the fifth is a peculiar premise. The first one, a perfect peace, is in verse 1. The Lord, he's telling his disciples, I'm going away. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die for our sins. He's going to go to the grave and lie for three days and then rise again on the third day. He's going to ascend into heaven. What are the disciples going to do What are these people who have just heard of this wonderful Messiah, this wonderful Savior and Redeemer, what are they going to do when this great example who stands before them, whom they have followed, who they have listened to, who they have loved and come to know, what are they going to do when he is away from them? Can you imagine the fear that's filled their hearts and the dread that's come upon these people? So Christ leaves them in this message five points. And he leaves them for you and I tonight. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also, he says, in me. Notice this. Let not your heart be troubled. Here is a perfect peace. A perfect peace. It is perfect. It is a perfect peace because the subject knows the object. I'll say it again. It is a perfect peace because... The subject knows the object. Listen to what Christ says. Let not your heart. You're the subject, he says. The subject that will receive it. You're, it's about you, he says. When I go, I'm thinking of you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Here's the object. Believe also in me. He is the object of our affections. He is the object and the center of all we are as Christians. His death at Calvary is the object when we look at his sufferings. When we see he shed his blood and die for us, he is the object of all we are and all we have, all we need and ever hope to be. And he says, to keep me as the object before you, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter the trial, the trouble, the temptation, no matter the illness, the feelings and the failures. He says, I'm the object of your affections, the center of your being. If I am first in your life, before your eyes at all times, let me be your object. He says, you believe in God? Believe also in me, he says, and you can be the subject, he says. I will make you my subject. So it's a perfect piece because the subject knows the object. Do you know what our greatest problems are as Christians? When we say we believe him, or we believe in him, but believing in him is something we do when we get saved. Believing him is something else believing him for what he says, believing him for what he's told us, believing him for greater things for you, believing him for healing in your body for your mind for your spirit, believing him for salvation for the things we don't need to test well that's that's easy but believing him for what he says in your life, believing him what he says for the hopes that you had in him that don't seem to have come to pass. It seem to have fallen badly and failed. Notice this. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. In other words, he's saying, I am God. I am God clothed, wrapped, and veiled in flesh. He says, believe also in me. Now, the word believe here is the word pisteo. And listen to what it means. It means To place one's confidence in. To be persuaded of something. It speaks of reliance, not merely credence. Reliance, not merely credence. We give credence to belief in Christ. We give credence to what he has done on the cross. It's wonderful. It's everything to us. But in our day and daily living, and in our day and daily walk with Christ, that's believing him is not just words of mouth. It's not just speaking a good speak, but walking and talking the same thing. In other words, that which you are in here, and you're saying, you know, we're singing the songs of Zion. And we're able to raise or clap our hands. We're able to praise our most high God. And things seem wonderful. Yet when we leave the building, we get into our cars and we go to our homes and close the doors. It's then, it's not only just believing in God. It's believing God for the things you face on your own. It's believing Him that He is going before you. Believing Him for what He says. Even when there's things that we don't like. See, credence is when we're paying that credence, say, yes, we believe in you, Lord. But here, it is reliance when we say we believe you. We believe you. Can you say tonight, Lord, I just don't believe in you. I believe you. I believe you. He says, you believe in God. He says, believe also in me. In other words, Place your confidence in me, he says. Be persuaded of the things that I tell you. Rely on me alone. But you're going to ascend into heaven. You're going to leave us and what will we do? He says, I will send a comforter to you. Here he speaks of a promise, the coming of the Holy Spirit when he ascends into heaven. Listen, in John 14, let your eye run down to verse 27. He says to them after the promise of the Holy Ghost coming. He says in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He's saying you're going to have a peace when you put your confidence in me. You're going to have such a confidence in your life, in your walk, when you put your full reliance upon me. When you're fully persuaded that I'm not just with you when you enter into the church house, but I'm with you when you're in the schoolhouse. And I'm with you when you're in whatever house you're going to as you go home, in the workhouse. I'm with you, if you believe me. He says, there I am with you in the power of the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, can I ask you, how far have we fallen? How far have we drifted? How far have we walked away from having a consciousness of Christ every single day. Are you conscious of him every single day? He says, the peace I give you is not like the peace the world will give you. It's good to have good friends, family. It's good to have encouragement. That's good. But what when all others leave you and forsake you? Paul said, writing to Timothy, that all had left him, he's in a prison house. And there he's captive, and he says, Notwithstanding, when all men had left me, he says, The Lord stood with me. And when all men fail you, and when all women fail you, and when your friends walk away from you and let you down, and when the church fails you, he says, I will never fail you. I will give you a peace that this world can't give you. That even when the world is crumbling down around you, he says, when you keep your eyes on me, when you are fixed on me, when your confidence is not in yourself and who you are and what you can do or who you can be, but in me and your full reliance is in me, Christ says, I give you a peace. It's a perfect peace that this world Cannot give to you. That peace will last you throughout all eternity. That peace will take you through the valley of the shadow of death. That peace will take you through every circumstance and every situation. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 26. Verses 3 and 4. For thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Thou will keep him. Thou will keep her. He will keep you in perfect peace. Not just peace. Perfect peace. Whose mind is stead on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. The words here, perfect and peace, believe it or not, are the exact same word in the Hebrew. Perfect is the word Shalom. Peace is the word shalom. I will keep him, I will keep her. He will keep you in shalom. Shalom, it's a double mention of peace. That's why it's perfect. It's a peace of mind when our mind is stead on him. You know the times when your mind is running amok and things start to get the better off you and you start to go into your dizzy fits and your tizzies? You know the things whenever you start to panic and it starts to close in on you? He says, turn your mind to me. Turn your mind to me, and I will keep you, shalom, shalom, in perfection of my peace. Now listen, he doesn't stop there. He says it's because he trusteth in me. Verse 4 says, trust ye in the Lord for that one time. Doesn't say that, does it? Trust ye in the Lord for the next day. Doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say trust the Lord for that circumstance and trust the Lord for that situation. It doesn't say that. It says trust you the Lord forever. Forever when you go out of here tonight and you leave these, this building, you say, Lord, I don't believe just believe in you. I believe you. My heart is fixed in you. My mind has you before me at all times. I'll be conscious that you're there because you promised. Perfect peace when my mind is stead on thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord, Jehovah is everlasting strength. Christians fail so badly and fall, walk away from God, because their mind is in other things and in other people. They look at different situations, even happening in the church. And they blame this, that, and the other. But really what has happened is their mind has come off the Lord and their heart has went cold. And they find that that coldness of heart has become a deadness. And when it becomes a deadness of heart, we walk our own ways. And we drift far from Christ. The word here, he trusteth in thee, in Isaiah chapter 26, in verse 3, because he trusteth in thee. It's a word patak and it means the same because they have put their confidence in me, says the Lord. So one is a perfect peace. Let not your heart be troubled, he says. You believe in God. Believe also in me. The second one is a precious promise. A perfect peace, now a precious promise. Promise. Verse 2, look what it says in John chapter 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Notice, in my Father's house are many mansions. Notice what Jesus says. If it were not so, I would have told you. This is a precious promise from Christ. A precious promise. It's a precious promise of heaven. It's a precious promise of the kingdom of God. It's a precious promise of glory. It's a precious promise of God's eternal presence and us with him forever. Makes me think of the psalmist, David, in Psalm 23 and verse 6. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Christ is emphasizing here, he's saying, I'm telling you, this is a promise. I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. Paul says, absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. Here it means we'll be in his presence. That many mansion place, now we think of literal mansions, whether it's going to be big houses and literal mansions, I know not. But one thing I know, he's going to clothe us, as Paul says, with our house from heaven. And that is at his coming again and the resurrection of the dead. We will have a new house, a body like unto his glorious body for our spirits to live in. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7. Paul speaking of his second coming says that the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Here is the promise of his presence. If it were not so, he says, I would have told you. Do you ever get your doubts? What if this is just not real? What if this whole thing about when we die, what if that's it, we're finished, we're over? There's no resurrection and there's no heaven and there's no kingdom of God to come. What if this isn't real, friend? Jesus says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you. Christ himself says, in my Father's house, in other words, in his kingdom, there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I'd have told you. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that when this mortal coil decides to die and fall off of me, should he tarry? At the resurrection, he will raise it again from the dead and clothe me with that clothing of spiritual body like unto his. I believe that I will be absent from the body and in the presence of the Lord. What if it's not real? What if you're not saved and you find out it is real? It's too late. It's too late. The promise of Christ, he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. Listen again to the words of the master. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12, he says, to him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Notice, in my father's house are many mansions. Now he's talking about making us a pillar in the temple of his God. Here he's speaking as the risen son of man. The temple of my God, it says, and he shall go out no more, no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God. You see, in the literal temple in Jerusalem, they had great pillars holding the great edifice up, but now the temple is a spiritual temple. The temple is made up of men and women who have been blood washed and blood bought with the precious blood of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost dwells in us. The one whom Christ promised in John 14 would come, the Comforter. And he says, I will send and he will come. And he dwells in our hearts. And he's making us into pillars. Pillars in the house of God, pillars in the temple of the Lord. And he says, when you're a pillar here, like the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. And the great stone edifice was torn down and the pillars were knocked to the side and stones came one not upon another just as Christ had said in A.D. 70 when the Roman Prince Titus came. And he says, those pillars, they were magnificent, he says, and they came tumbling down. But you, he says, if you're saved by grace through faith, if you're washed By faith in the blood of the lahama. If you're an overcomer in Christ, he says, I will make him a a pillar in the temple of my God. We are the temple of God tonight. Notice this. In my Father's house, he says, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you the precious promise psalm one hundred and five and verse forty two the psalmist speaks like this, for he remembered notice his holy promise, his holy promise the word holy" here is the word kadosh it's like the holy Spirit is a holy spirit is a the kadosh it means holy separated set apart, and it says here that he remembered not that God forgets, but He comes down to our understanding of mind to speak to us that God made a promise to Abraham. He says and He says, "I've made thee a father of many nations." Even when Abraham was ninety years old, then coming one hundred, he hadn't even got a son, and Sarah was barren in her womb and old in years as well, and. The Lord made him a promise and he says, I make you a promise. I have made you already a father of many nations. You see, and Abraham did not just believe in God. He believed him for what he said. He believed him for what he said. And time would escape us. Read Romans chapter 4 when you go home and Paul tells us about the promises of God made to Abraham. Read Galatians chapter 3 and the Lord, uh, Paul tells us uh, the promises of God that were made unto Abraham. A precious promise was a holy promise. You see, I could promise you one thing and do my best to keep it. I don't like to break a promise, but sometimes being human and things that we do, even I have sometimes a mind I just forget things. But he never forgets. And the precious promise he says In my Father's house are many mansions for you. Do you want to go? Do you want to be there? If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I'd have told you. What a promise for all believers in Christ. That we will be in his presence forever. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul speaks of the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. See, we think that we're living when we're living in the world and doing the things of the world. It's you know, it's that merry-go-round that we get on, and sometimes the the sin of the world, the the riches of the world, the deeds of the world, the doings of the world, all those things, they, they lay hold on us. And when they lay hold on us, they, they make it worse for us. And sin always brings us further than we ever meant to go Do we find ourselves, many of us, in the gutter, needing to go around again to get another fix waiting for the next weekend, and then it becomes waiting for the midweek, and then it becomes waiting for the next night, then it becomes waiting to wake up in the morning to get the next fix, the next drug, the next drink, uh, the next gamble, the next whatever. It draws us down and it pulls us down. And we think we're living until we meet the Savior. We're just existing before it, and then we find life. And Paul says, of the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. All those Christians, are so bound, they can't do this and that and the other. Friend, I can tell you something. When I got saved, I didn't want to do all the things I did. I didn't want to do this, that, and the other, for I had found life, the author of life and the giver of life. Rather, he found me. Now, life is in Christ. When you get saved, your life is hid with Christ and God. How secure are we as Christians to know that he holds us doubly secure in the hands of God? Listen to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. Where is the promise of his coming, some will say. Listen to what it says in verse 9. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but as longsuffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 13. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. God has promised us heaven on earth, God has promised us a new heaven and a new earth where he, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and we will be with him forever. It hasn't happened yet and people say, well, you keep talking about the second coming, you keep preaching about the second coming, there's many, many books written about the second coming, all different sort of sermons given about the second coming, all different theology about the second coming, but he's not here yet. Where is he? Where is he? And I can tell you something, I just don't believe in him. I believe him. He's coming. He's coming. And here Peter says, nevertheless, no matter what anyone says, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. In 1 John chapter 2, and verse 25, he says, And this is the promise that he hath promised us, Here's the greatest promise, and this is the promise that He has promised us. Here it is. You ready? And this is the promise that He has promised us, even eternal life, even eternal life. Oh, Second Peter chapter one and verse four. Peter says, "We have been given great and exceeding, exceeding great and precious promises." And second Corinthians one and ten says, For all the promises of God in him, in the Lord Jesus are yea, and in him are amen. So when we have Christ at the fore, like our first point, we find that we have all of the promises of God in him. And Hebrews thirteen and verse six pardon me, Hebrews eight and verse six says, Of the Lord Jesus He is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Better promises than what? Better promises than the covenant made with Noah. The covenant made with Abraham. The covenant made with Moses. The better covenant. God had made all these Noahic covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, and the Mosaic covenant, all these covenants. And Christ comes and makes a covenant with us for eternal life. And we're told this is a a better covenant and better promises. Yet we look and see how God moved and blessed and kept his word to all the patriarchs. We spoke of Abraham even just a few moments ago. Friend, are you believing God for a precious promise? If God has given you a precious promise, he will not fail you, but he will bring it to pass that which he has promised. He will perform it. Thirdly and quickly, is a prepared place. Verse 2 and 3 My father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I go and prepare a place for you. God is a God of preparation. Now I buried a close family relative just Friday. Took their funeral service. And they made a sort of deathbed repentance. They weren't prepared. They weren't ready. I had to take a confession of a mouth. I just need to leave that with God now. He is a God of preparation. Listen, even in the parables, the Lord Jesus talks of a parable in Matthew 22 of a man who has a feast and he bids people to come to a wedding. And he says, I have prepared my dinner. Come, and he says, I've killed the oxen and so on. Uh Uh-uh. Come for all things are now ready. And there's those who would not come. And they eventually sent out again and brought more in. And they, and they had this great wedding feast. And the Lord says, I'm a God of preparation. Are you prepared? I have prepared everything for you. All you need to do is come, all you need to do is believe. You need to trust in me for salvation. He says, come for all things are now ready. I have prepared my dinner. Here he said, my son has done it all for you. And in Matthew 25 and verse 34, we read of, of two different types of people, sheep and goats. And we're told in verse 34, that the Lord will say, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And we're told in Matthew 25 and verse 41, he will say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God is a God of preparation. He'll say to the sheep, Come, enter into the kingdom of God which has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And to the goats on his, on his left hand, he will say, Depart from me, you're cursed. Depart from me, and everlasting fire. Listen, prepared, not for you, but for the devil and his angels. He wants us to be prepared. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, Prepare to meet thy God. We think of John the Baptist crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. In other words, get your hearts ready. Get your mindset right. and Get turning to God and repenting of sin. Come on, Church! Let's prepare His way for His second coming is at hand. Oh, and He's raising up men and women in the church to say that, to preach that, to tell that with gusto and passion, with a full heart to say, "Prepare, Church! Get ready! Behold, your King cometh." Hebrews eleven and verse seven. Listen to what the Hebrew writer says. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. Are you preparing an ark for the saving of your house? What do you mean? Is Christ in your home? Is Christ in your home? Is it a godly home? Do you love Jesus? wonderful thing about that little verse, just briefly, is that by faith Noah, being warned of God of things, not seen as yet, moved with fear. Yet faith, fear is the opposite of faith, and faith is the opposite of fear. Yet here we find a man with both in his life. Noah being warned of God. God said he wasn't afraid for himself. Friend, I can tell you on the promise that he gives us. I can tell you on the authority of his word. My fear is not for everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's not a fear I have. For the perfect love of God in my life casts out all of that fear. But in faith, I fear for those who know not Christ. Revelation twenty-one and two. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of God from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, as a wife, a, a young woman or a, whatever age of a woman is getting married, and they're they're preparing themselves for their wedding getting their wedding dress on the bridal party and all the things they put on themselves. They're preparing to meet their husband. So he's saying here, John says, I saw New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem isn't some sort of big spaceship or a big city coming down out of the sky as a lot of people tend to paint on paintings. No, no. The New Jerusalem are the redeemed saints of God who are blood washed. He says, I saw them. They're prepared for their bridegroom coming. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there, ye may be also. Notice, fourthly and quickly, a particular path. A particular path. Listen to what it says in chapter 14 and verse 4. He says, And whether whether I go ye know, and the way ye know, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Here we have a particular path. Job says, Job 33 and verse 11 says, He marketh all my paths. He marketh all my paths. Every footstep, every step we have taken, Every place our feet have taken us. God has them marked. Every step is numbered, he says, and counted. And oh, I wonder what would we be like before God on that day. I wonder if the Lord should mark iniquities, who could stand, not one of us. I wonder if the Lord showed us our paths and says, this is the life you live. There'd be things we've even forgotten about that have been against God that have been without God, that have been opposed to God, thoughtless about God, sinful before God. And he's marked all our paths. But when we come under the blood of Christ, he takes that path and he wipes it all away. Every path, every step, every place, everything, every sin. Isaiah 59 and verse 8 speaks of, He hath made them crooked paths. They have made them crooked paths. Whoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Oh, our paths were crooked, but Christ will straighten our paths. Thomas says, We know not whether thou goest, Lord. How can we know the way? And here is the path. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 says, Ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk there, and ye shall find rest for your souls. The path is to follow Christ and to serve him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, says the psalmist. The paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, he says in Psalm 25 and verse 10. And those who were in Christ in the very early church were called followers of the way. They followed the path of Christ. Matthew 7 and 13. Jesus said, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat." I remember I walked that broad way. I walked that broad way. I walked it, I was on the way to destruction. I walked it with the vices of the world and the sins of the world and the the things of the world. And I was on the broad road like the world is going without even knowing it, the broad road to destruction. Jesus says in Matthew 7 and verse 14, Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it but I found the straight gate when I seen Christ When the cross was preached. Straight gate and narrow way. Christian, don't you be upset whenever you think, you know, I'm one of the only Christians that's going on. I'm one of the only Christians in the world carrying on the way it's carrying on. Listen, you've just entered the narrow way. They're not all going to fit on it. They're not all going to be there. We must witness, but they're not all going to be there. Few there be that find it. The particular path. I close with this last point. Christ is departing and he leaves us. And we just have an overview quickly of this. We have the peculiar premise. All that we have said, there's a peculiar premise. The word peculiar simply means belonging exclusively to someone or something. Peculiar means something with special or distinct characteristics. It's Peculiar. The word premise means a proposition on which reasoning is based. There's the premise. Why you say something and you give the premise, the reasoning of it. And it means to base certain assumptions on something. So what is this peculiar premise that we are looking at tonight? John 14 verse 1, Jesus says you believe in God. Listen, believe also in me. Notice the terms, in me. Here is the peculiar premise. It is belonging exclusively to him. Someone with distinct characteristics who is Christ alone. God in flesh. Believe in me. Verse 2, he says, my father's house. I would have told you. Notice it's all personal. There's personal pronouns in this. He's saying, believe in me, my father's house. I would have told you. Verse 2, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, I go and prepare again. Verse 3, I will come again. Verse 3 again, receive you to myself. Verse 3, that were, I am, there ye may be also. Verse 4, whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life." Notice, it's all centered in him. He says, if you want to be where I am, then you come my way. If you want to be where I am, then you come my way. So we have here five points from a departing Christ. He's going to leave. He says, I will leave this with you. A perfect peace, a precious promise, a prepared place, a particular path, a peculiar premise. God bless his word to us tonight. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen.